Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website, and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. So, how was your Labor Day weekend? If you are a Buff fan, it was one for the books, as Colorado, a 20.5-point underdog, went on the road and upset number 17 TCU 45-42. I am joined by Grad Geiger and Neil Langland, and we take a little time to talk about and savor one of the most significant CU victories in years. But Coach Prime, his staff, and his players don't have time to relish the season-opening win and all the accolades as rival Nebraska is coming to Boulder for Coach Prime's Folsom Field debut. We will dissect the upcoming roster matchups using our tips process, analyzing talent, intangibles, preparation, and statistics before giving you our predictions. So, will the Buffs continue to shine on offense? Will the CU coaching staff be able to make corrections on defense and special teams? What will be Nebraska's game plan coming off of a disheartening 13-10 season opening loss to Minnesota? What will be the emotional levels for both teams in a rivalry game which means so much to both fan bases? Can Coach Prime coax another winning performance out of his buffs. Let's find out. Okay, and we're back, and I am joined by Brad. I told you they should run a screen in the second half, Geiger. How are you doing today? I am, uh, well, it's still kind of flying a little bit high, to be very honest with you, even though. That was a quite a day on Saturday. Yes. And Mr. Downtown Denver, Neil Langland, how are you today? Well, I'm fine. I've got, uh, I may have to break off early because I've got a crow on the Barbie. I'm going <laughs> to eat it, feathers and all, with some fava beans and a nice <laughs> I 
I don't think you have to eat any crow. I don't think anybody, you know, I did a poll on the website. You know, I always do one 24 hours before kickoff. And the majority answer was with the three of us, you know, that it was likely that C was going to beat the spread, the 20.5 point spread. But it was hard to see that they were going to beat the number 17 team in the country on the road. So mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any negativity associated with uh, not picking the Buffs to win this game. Dave Platty uh, sent out a text showing that uh, it was the number four, at least in terms of point spread, number four upset in Colorado history. So to pick that game took a lot. And the only ones that really believed were the ones in the champion center. So Colorado 45, number 17, TCU 42. Uh, So many different ways to talk about this game and how it unfolded and how it came about. And wow, what a day. So, Neil, I'll start with you. What were your reactions during the game and uh, what was your action after the game? Well, having been in a position before where CU on the road came out and played strongly, played well, dominated dominated the opponent. For example, back in Michigan, when Cepho uh, brought the team out and they were in the lead and then he got hurt and we collapsed from there. I was just hoping that we didn't have that same sort of outcome. And I was just amazed at how resilient the Buffs were. That was perhaps their most sterling quality. You know, their preparation was immaculate, their execution, their tough-mindedness, all those wonderful attributes. I was so thoroughly impressed. I can't remember in recent memory a more pleasant Buff experience. Yeah, well, Brad, I mean, uh, you know, Buffs won the toss, and I I was kind of thinking that they would actually take the ball rather than defer to put the best unit on the field. But it turned out, you know, they forced a three and out to start the game and then marched down the field and got a touchdown. Absolutely couldn't have started any better, but again, having so many scars from so many games of CU past, the blocked field goal that could have been returned for a touchdown, I mean, even in the first half, even when things were going well, even when C was ahead, never trailed, you know, until late in the third quarter, you still had that feeling of impending doom, as <laughs> most Buff fans probably would admit to at this point. I mean, it was uh, a roller coaster ride, but as Neil said, they just showed resilience every time there was a chance to fold or collapse or make a mistake. You know, the Buffs came through. I, I will tell you there were there were certainly times you know I, I had a text written out to you about remember if we if somebody had told us on Friday that we would be leading going into the fourth quarter we'd have been ecstatic yeah I'm I'm like everybody else and and I had predicted that with the weather and everything else CU would wear down and there were times the CU defense looked gassed in the fourth quarter but every time that you needed a little bit more from this team. You know, as much as I love Dylan Edwards on fourth and two, the, the play that convinced me that this is a resilient team for the season is third and 16 to Travis Hunter. Yeah. I mean, we take it, we take it a bad sack, looked like it was going to be three and out. And then Shadour throws up essentially a jump ball. 
and just has confidence that he has the better player in Travis Hunter as he was from the minute he walked out of the stadium, walked onto the field until the minute he was dancing in the locker room was the best athlete in 150 miles. He just, when you need him to do it, and you know, yeah, there was a couple of passes that I guess it, that my guess is he'll catch in the future, but that catch that third and 16 to keep that drive alive when their best defensive player was all over him. You just went, Oh my heavens, this is going to work. And, um, but yeah, of course I was ready for, if not a collapse, at least, I mean, at that point, we're all thinking last man with the ball, but that play, the ensuing touchdown, these, uh, these are just different buffs. They just have, they, they just think they can do anything. And on Saturday, especially on offense, they could. Yeah. Well, Neil, the offensive line, the much maligned offensive line, at least in terms of what we were talking about in preseason, had a hell of a game. Collectively, they were terrific. They could have been the difference in the, in the game. They gave up some sacks, gave up a couple pressures, but some of those were due to good coverage in the secondary by TCU, where Shadur had checked down once or twice and then didn't have anywhere to run. But they didn't do well or so well in the running game. They just couldn't move that larger TCU D-line. But in pass protection, so, so much better than mm. I expected and so much better than anything we've had here in the past few years. Got to hand it to those kids and to the coach for getting them ready to play. Yeah. Well, Brad, any, of all the records, which ones stood out to you the most? That Shadur had 510 yards passing, the first CU quarterback to have 500 yards passing in a game. And, of course, he does it in his debut as an FBS quarterback. That CU had four 100-yard receivers when the record in Colorado was having two players with 100 yards in a single game, or maybe Dylan Edwards setting the running back record for receiving in a game, 135 yards. Stop me when you get to a record that... uh... (laughs) (laughs) The one that's most reflective of the difference in this team is the four receivers with 100 yards. We have not been this deep at skill positions because every one of those guys earned those hundred yards. I mean, yeah, Shidu, uh, none of that happens without Shadour. And he's, he is a star and should be in the Heisman trophy conversation the entire time and may only get overshadowed by his teammate, Travis Hunter. But the fact that we have four guys who can legitimately go up and beat people that were cheap, the passes in some place because Sean Lewis, by the way, called a heck of a game. But those guys made got open and made contested catches. And then when they made contested catches, you know, Dylan Edwards didn't have any contested catches, but he had a lot of contested runs after the catch. And that kid makes people miss in ways that are embarrassing. The the safety on on the on the um on the fourth and two play, he's still awake trying to figure out what happened how he didn't get the angle on Dylan Edwards. He will dream about that for weeks about how he got what I didn't catch the number, but it might've been Mark Perry. Yeah. The former former buff. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, so 
having that much talent, um, having running back by committee and such a success as we had, Wilkerson, you know, had the key first down at the end of the game. Yeah. That kind of stuff. The, the skill position talent is just, you go ahead. You, you, cut, you double cover Travis Hunter. And we're just going to run past you in every possible way you can. Yeah. Well, Neil, I'll let you have the negative side. The, the defense, last year Colorado gave up about 450 yards a game and 44 points a game. <laughs> well, Saturday they gave up 42 points and over 500 yards of total offense. So is this going to be a short-lived celebration? Is the defense that bad? I mean, TC only had three returning starters on offense, so it wasn't like they were – a powerhouse coming off of a national championship game in terms of the offensive side of the ball. So obviously there's some concerns left uh, for the defense going forward. That's a good question. I think one thing about our forecasts or about our predictions or expectations about how the defense would do is that their front three or four are relatively small in the absolute and relative to the TCU front at a disadvantage. And that showed up TCU averaged, you know, seven yards a carry. And some of that was exaggerated by some of the long runs that TCU had. But uh, if there's any concern going forward, it is perhaps how those uh, front four, front six or seven are going to match up against large lines, such as perhaps Nebraska. So if there's anything that we need to worry about is how are we going to um, patch that up? What sort of blitzes, stunts, and formations is the defensive coordinator going to have to to use to sort of cover up our, our lack of size? Other than that, the uh, the strategy, I think, of making TCU throw the ball plays into our strength. So if we can come up with some stops on the run that makes for a game that is in CU's part, which is come up against our secondary. Mm-hmm. Another thing mm-hmm. about the, the D line is, or the front six, no pressure on the quarterback. We, we just can't sit back there and let them, the quarterback play and look around and check down and check down, you know, for four or five seconds, no secondary can hold up to that. Yeah. Although I thought in the second half they got better pressure. They did. And on Indeed. the on, on the fourth and nine, but one of the reasons that play didn't work is there was pressure in his face and he threw that ball a step earlier than he wanted to. Yeah, he had to get rid which, of it. Which which meant the pass was farther back, which meant the D back the defensive back had the chance to come up and make the tackle. And, you know, that's one of those unsung plays that we're at the end of a game that we're at the end of a track meet on a hundred and twenty degree field. And I didn't see who got the pressure. Somebody stepped up and did the thing that we needed them to do. Yeah. And I, you know, I thought, particularly in the fourth quarter, I thought we got better at putting pressure on them. And I think it mattered. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give uh, Brad a, a plug here. And he sent me <laughs> a TikTok. I had, I, you know, I don't do TikTok. I'm old, but it's from Emmanuel. Do you know the name? Is it Acho? Acho? At Acho? A-C-H-O. A-C-H-O. And he went through two plays 
both teams had goal to go at the five-yard line, ran the exact same play. Colorado ended up with a touchdown with a wide-open running back. TCU ran the same play, and it was Travis Hunter's interception. And he went through how coaching made the complete difference in that and that the coaching staff could do that with a band of players that, you know, hadn't been together. But it, you know, made sense to me who doesn't do chalk talks all that well, but it was really well explained. So it's on the See What the Game website under the Colorado Daily heading. If you want to pause the podcast and go watch that five-minute video, you are forgiven. It is going to make you feel very excited about the coaching staff at the University of Colorado because it was just uh, uh, an amazing indication. Now, Travis Hunter is a special beast, and his interception was exceptional. And But I think if it was Omarion Cooper or even Carter Stoutmeyer, I mean, at least it would have been stopped short of the, the end zone or maybe, you know, forced an incompletion. They might not have got an interception on the play, but they were certainly in, would have been in position to play, whereas for Colorado, the running back, you know, Dylan Edwards was all by himself. Nobody will round him for 10 yards and walked into the end zone. So uh, when you get a chance, everybody that's listening, go to the See of the Game website, check under the Colorado Daily heading, and watch that five-minute video. It's, it's yeah. definitely going to be worth your time. It reminded me of something that Travis Hunter said after the game. They asked him about that pick, which is, again, just extraordinary athleticism. But he said, I looked up and I recognized that from practice. Yeah. Yeah. He, he saw it coming and he did, you know, and the other two defensive backs did their job. You know, it was all three of them knowing what was coming and all three of them reacting properly that set that up. Whereas the TCU threesome had the exact same come play coming at them and were totally befuddled by it. So really makes you feel good about CU going forward. National reaction. Neil, what, uh, have you spent the entire Labor Day weekend reading about your buffs? Because, you know, it's as uh, Coach Prime would say, it ain't hard to find. You know, the coverage has been they were on Good Morning America. I think somebody posted today. So uh, have you been soaking in the national reaction? The fact that every single ranked team that played and except for LSU playing Florida State, two ranked teams, every single ranked team that played won on Saturday. The only one that lost was TCU. Most games were blowouts. So the entire I haven't seen any ratings yet, but I'm sure that this was a ratings bonanza for Fox. What have you been seeing, reading, hearing about uh, Coach Prime and uh, the national reaction to the game? Well, I have been reading on some of the main websites, ESPN and then CBS and so forth. Also have been taking in ESPN's College Football Live and, um, (laughs) let's see, College Game Day and some of the other spots. And what they were saying essentially is that this is a coaching victory, that the CU coaching staff building upon the theme you just built is has done very well. Their schemes in terms of getting receivers open and calling those plays at the right time. All of these analysts were talking about how well-prepared CU was and how well CU utilized the talent it had at the right times and in the right ways. That's the most encouraging thing is that when peers 
level that sort of praise on a coaching staff. You don't see that that often. And these guys were effusive in their, their praise of CU. And frankly, watching some of the replays, I was amazed at how wide open CU's guys were. And to me, that means that the scheme so confused the defense that they had at least one bust by the secondary on each of those touchdown plays or each uh, each of those long games. Hats off to the coaches for that. Yeah. Well, and you've got to have a quarterback who can recognize what's what's in front of them and be able to find that receiver. So let's move on to the tips. And again, for anyone that's new, and if you're new, just joining bandwagon for Coach Prime or just joining the See You at the Game bandwagon, welcome. You know, as Coach Prime would say, we'll take on anyone that wants to join. We got plenty of room. Uh, we are hard to find. <laughs> we are. We ain't hard to find. Yes. So tips are talent, intangibles, preparation, and stats. We'll start with talent. And the University of Nebraska comes in with an 0-1 record, having lost 13 to 10 to Minnesota Thursday night. Brad, we'll we'll start with you on the talent side. It's kind of good versus good. Good offense for the University of Colorado and a good defense for the University of Nebraska. Fair statement. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, the question after CU's win is how good is the TCU defense? The question after Nebraska's loss, 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 is how good is their defense against a mediocre Minnesota offense? So it is going to be unquestionably strength against strength. That Nebraska offense is rulingly bad just difficult to watch. There is not a lot of skill position talent on the Nebraska offense. Their defense is very classic Big Ten. They're going to make you grind it out. They're going to make you beat them up front. They got some pass rush against Minnesota. I don't, there is no way to tell if they have enough uh, talent in the secondary to stop CU skill people. When, when Minnesota needed the play in the, in the, uh, in the final quarter, their offensive players, their offensive wide receivers beat Nebraska's secondary. So, yeah. you know, with we thought TCU was going to be more talented than CU, and they were not. I don't think there's anything that shows that Nebraska, even on the defensive side of the ball, is more talented than CU's skill position players. So, best this is equal, and I would give CU the, the advantage. Okay. Well, staying on that side, you know, Neil, as far as the Nebraska defense, I mean, they only gave up three points in the first 57 minutes of the Nebraska game. And this is against the Minnesota offense. Granted, they had some graduations and a new quarterback, but this is the same, you know, on the same field a year ago, Minnesota was ahead of CU 35 to nothing at halftime on the way to a 49 to 7 laugher. So Minnesota's not exactly inept in offense, but Nebraska did a really good job. They've got really good cornerbacks. You know, Quentin Newsom is one of those guys that uh, can play. Are you worried about CU and be able to be as effective against the Nebraska defense? Or are they just going to load up and say, hey, CU had 55 yards rushing, so we're going to get pressure on the quarterback and, you know, take our chances with our, you know, four returning starters in the defensive backfield. What's the What's the game plan for Nebraska defense to slow down Shadur Sanders at all uh, on Saturday? If that is indeed their plan, 
is to completely stop the run. And they may be able to do that. That's not a disadvantage for CU, given what we've seen from our offensive coaching staff and from Shadur Sanders, who many times during the game, the technical analyst and the announcer on Fox were complimenting Sanders on reading defenses, getting the ball to the right person at the right time. So that may not be a bad thing. If they force CU to be one-dimensional with our talent at wide receiver, running back, I think we're probably going to be okay there. And in fact, if we're able to start throwing the ball, that may open the running game a little bit. I think Nebraska, as it always is, is large in the lines, so they're big up front, and they have decent run defense. So that's going to be a good matchup. I think on the talent side, the pluses for Nebraska are their cornerbacks and maybe their defensive tackles. The advantage they have are the good players they have are running back, six feet, 220, who is a, a battering ram. That's going to be a challenge for CU. Their wide receivers are a minus, I think. Nothing special there. Their quarterback, I think, demonstrated the ability to be coaxed into a mistake or led astray to throw the ball at the wrong receiver. And he also looked like he would be prone to putting the ball up for grabs under pressure. So if CU can come up with blitzes or so, uh, something of that nature to pressure that quarterback – that will help our defense. So on net, those two things, I think CU may have a slight advantage overall. What I question in terms of talent, perhaps is the place to do it, is what's going on with our kick coverage teams. We've got to fix that. And I think Nebraska probably has some capable returners. The other is... What happened on the black field goals? We can't have that. As Brad said, that could have been a 10-point swing right there. We've got to patch that up. And it seemed to me that it wasn't necessarily in the line. It was a high snap, and it was behind the holder and high. So we've got to fix that. We've got special teams can change the course of the game. And those are the things that I worry about talent-wise for CU. Yeah. Well, Nebraska's longest play of the night was a 63-yard kickoff return by Ramir Johnson. So it'd be nice if we just had one of our kickers just kick the ball out of the end zone so we don't have to worry about kickoff returns. Yeah. There's a, we'll start with that. Oh, sorry, Stu. I forgot to mention the kick out of bounds after CU had scored. If there's anything that's going to kill momentum, it's something like that. Wow. Yeah. Now there's, you know, and when you've got a new team and you've got your second stringers, you know, lack of depth, you know, if it's injuries along the way, that's what everybody's saying is, well, can CU sustain it when they start getting injuries? They have second stringers doing things and it's second stringers that are on special teams. So, yeah, it's going to be a concern for the next 11, 12 games for the University of Colorado. Uh, Brad, you know, Jeff Sims is the quarterback. He's transferred in from Georgia Tech, forced out the incumbent quarterback, but he was nothing special at Georgia Tech. Now he is 6'4, 215. So, speaking as someone who's 6'4, 215, you know, it's almost like looking in a mirror, you know, just to I me, mean, we just have that same build and athletic ability. 
But the thing that does scare me about Jeff Sims is he had 19 carries for 91 yards. He was their leading rusher. He did throw three interceptions. So, yeah, he uh, was not effective. But 11 for 19 passing, 114 yards. I mean, Shadur had that in a quarter against TCU. So, as Neil was talking about, the wideouts, Marcus Washington at about 500 yards last year, I guess is their best option. But, you know, even their – Offensive touchdown came on a broken play against Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So if I'm the defensive coordinator thinking, okay, I got to keep Jeff Sims from having 150 yards rushing. Mm -hmm. You know, if he's scrambling or if these are offensive design plays for him to run, that's the only way that Nebraska can beat me. Or is it just, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust that they're just going to try and shorten the game by running up the middle and trying to get CU's smallish defensive line to figure out how to stop them. What's the game plan? Well, I mean, Nebraska wants to shorten the game. Nebraska wants to keep the clock running. Nebraska will try to run the ball, and they will think they will have, have success because DCU did. The The interception that Nebraska threw in the fourth quarter to lose a game was terrible. Yeah. I mean, it, he threw into a crowd and hit a guy in the numbers wearing the wrong jersey. It, it, this, this was not the Travis Hunter or even the Trevor Woods interception. This was a, oh, the ball is to me. Um, <laughs> and so I, <laughs> it, it was that egregious. So they are going to have to, the strength of our defense is our back, is, is our, our defensive backs. They don't want to challenge them because they don't have anybody who can. So, yeah, you can expect Nebraska to try to pound the ball we're going to see, you know, I, I, we may see a wing T or some sort of you know, option <laughs> offense to, yeah. um, to try to just hold on to the play and so, or hold on to the ball. So I think that's probably what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to, it, it, I mean, it's not hard to predict. They're going to run the, the ball and then try to keep everything on the defense in front of them and not get beat deep. This is, this is, this is your classic. Uh, what in the future will be a Big Ten versus Big Twelve kind of matchup? Uh, they would they would like a short game at altitude and make us work for it. Problem is they don't really have. I don't think they have. Uh, yeah, they have a but they have a big diff offensive line, but they are not athletic. Uh, they do straight ahead pretty well, but you know they, they can't. I, nothing makes you think that they can pull or get out front. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did. would I be shocked if Trevor Woods and Shiloh Sanders led the team and Marvin Ham led the team in tackles yet again? I think that's absolutely what we're going to see is it's yeah. going to be just a lot of just pounding the ball. Yeah. The running backs, I mean, they, you know, Anthony Grant, you know, had almost a thousand yards last year, but he had a reputation as a fumbler. And then, of course, with about a minute to play, fumbles the ball away and fumbles the game away. So he might be in the doghouse coming into the game and, you know, Gabe, Gabe Irvin is the guy that might become the, you know, the go-to guy. He's just a sophomore and he let, well, other than Sims's 91 yards, he had 55 yards on only seven carries. So he might become the go-to guy, but yeah, if you're going to have our safeties basically playing linebacker, I mean, at some point we got to have enough bodies to fill those gaps. So 
we'll have to see how the coaching staff game plans for this one. Um, let's move on to I intangibles. You know, it's a rivalry game, you know, for the fans, Neil, but none of these players were in the 2019 game. None of these players grew up with Colorado versus Nebraska being a rivalry game. So it's, you know, CU fans loathe Nebraska and Nebraska fans dismiss Colorado. Is it a rivalry game that, you know, just because we say it is? Or has Nebraska more to play for than just beating little brother Colorado once again in their minds as being the, the main object of the game? I think one thing that separates great coaches from simply very good coaches, which is the ability to motivate and to get a team ready to play emotionally. Of course, Bill McCartney was perhaps the best at it so far at CU. It seems like Coach Prime also has that same gift. And I'm thinking that he's going to drum this up into a big deal, even though the kids don't have any memory of it or have any history. I think CU is going to be pretty pumped after that first game. And now coming home, Folsom Field is going to be just completely crazy. That's going to be a big emotional edge for CU. My worry is that at some point, Nebraska has to stop losing games by making dumb mistakes. I hope they continue their streak here, and I think there are things we can do to encourage them to do that. But on an emotional edge, I think CU has an advantage. Another intangible is in the 19 game, Nebraska was here, it was in the afternoon. It was a hot day in the 90s, sunny, very dry. Nebraska dried out in the second half and eventually lost. I'm hoping that that same advantage, a hot, dry, sunny day, comes to play here again because I'm not sure Nebraska is going to be able to hold for four quarters under those conditions. So hopefully we can wear them down in the fourth okay. quarter. Okay, Brad, you got any tangibles, or I've got a couple that I can uh, play off of what Neil was talking about. What, uh, what stood out to you? Well, I think obviously one of the things I loved is that last week we talked about the fact that if the team was buying into Dion's Coach Sanders' positions, that he sent two emissaries out on defense and on offense to share that with the team. His, the two leaders are his sons on either side. Both of them on the field at TCU said, it was a great win, now we go forward. Now that's easy to say after a big win, but everything about that team, about that attitude, the fact that they said that unprompted, lets me think that this team is not going to lose focus. Now, I'm not a big fan of the disrespect card. It gets played too much. And Dion loves it, and he's always played it, and he does a great job of it, but his team buys it. And so I, intangibles, I, there's, to me, emotionally, there is no doubt CU is more ready, and it doesn't feel like they're, they're taking themselves. They're, they're not taking their opponent lightly. They are not taking themselves as immaculate. We've all seen Coach Prime you know, the next morning. Okay, here's now we start working on this. So... I think the intangibles are very much on CU's side. It's going to be a massive, a spectacular crowd. And I, I, I think Nebraska has a real problem. If, if we come out and get up 14 
I think Nebraska's got a serious issue about how they come back, particularly at altitude, particularly on a warm day. I agree. Yeah, well, especially if your game plan is to run up the middle and try to run the clock, it'd be hard to make that mount a comeback of any any significance. Well, a couple of things, the bulletin board material, while the players might not remember it or care, but uh, talk about Coach Prime collecting receipts. Remember back in the fall when, or in the spring, I'm sorry, when, you know, the transfer portal was opening up and the, the mass exodus out of Boulder, Matt Rule was taking a, a fence of, uh, at CU's uh, and Coach Prime's methodology and his quote was along the lines of, I hear other schools say they can't wait for today being, you know, the transfer portal. They can't wait to go out. I can't wait to coach my guys. I'm not thinking about anybody else but this team here. I mean, he was taking a shot at Colorado in the mass overhaul of players. So, you know, if Coach Prime's out there keeping receipts, he's certainly going to remember what Coach Rule said about his team and his methodology. And then, you know, about the one-score games you both, you know, we're talking about two and 14 in one-score games. If you go back even further, I mean, it goes back to like when, well, Colorado beat them twice, 2018 and 2019, both one-score games. And it just seems to be, if you read some of the Nebraska boards, it was, you know, Nebraska being Nebraska to take a 10-3 lead with three minutes to go and turn it into a 13-10 loss, you know, with two turnovers in the last five minutes. And then Matt Rule's quote after the game, I'm not thinking about anything ever happened before I got here. That has nothing to do with me, referring to the 2-14 and record in one-score games. Well, it may not have anything to do with him, but a lot of his players have had to deal with a lot of one-score losses. And there is that mentality, Nebraska being Nebraska, it's like the here we go again. And Colorado fans are certainly well-versed in knowing that type of mantra that, you know, if things can go wrong, you know, they will go wrong. Like the blocked kick, I was, you know, didn't see where the ball went. I was just sure the next camera angle was going to be somebody running it back for a for a TCU touchdown. So, yeah, I don't know. If you can get this team down, they're not not in a good place right now, I wouldn't think. But we shall see. So, Neil, I'll go back and start with you on preparation, the schedule, the P of our tips. Minnesota-Nebraska game was on a Thursday night, two extra days. I think that'll help Nebraska at all to have, uh, you know, be able to sit back on Saturday and watch the other team play while you're watching the game with a cold beverage on uh, around lunchtime in Nebraska. One of the advantages that CU had going into TCU, well-documented, was that nobody knew what the offense was actually going to run and how they were going to look and how the talent would play. Same with our, our defense. So they knew nothing about CU and that was a definite advantage last Saturday. That advantage is diminished this week because now there's some film for Nebraska to study. Certainly the extra two days are going to help the players heal and be ready to play. Coaches are going to be better prepared My guess is that CU has been working on Nebraska ever since Thursday afternoon, had some of its analysts already going through that film. It's a slight advantage, but other than that, I don't think it is a big deal. I think what CU has to do 
is come up with a strategy to see if they can get out ahead. And to that end, they may design some plays on the first couple of possessions to test Nebraska's secondary. In other words, we didn't show everything in the arsenal last Saturday. There's some more tricks that CU has up its sleeve, and we're going to see some of those against Nebraska. I think CU is at a time disadvantage, but as we spoke about earlier, the emotional edge that they have, they're confident. I think that that is going to get their preparation sharp and crisp this week, just like it was last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, we haven't heard about Sean Lewis charting the first 10 or 12 plays, but it, it looked very clear at the beginning of, of the TCU game that they had a very clear plan. They were running a, a very fast offense. They knew what was going on. Shadur understood what the plays were going to be. And so, um, uh, Sean Lewis, I suspect, was drawing up the game plan on the plane home. And they had the advantage of that. Yes, Nebraska, we had the two days advantage. We may have played, but we, you know that the staff was watching the Nebraska-Minnesota game and that they were working on that game plan on the way home from TCU. So I, I think preparation-wise, and we're at home and we don't have to travel, I, I, I think we have... And we have less to prepare for. There's, there's nothing surprising in Matt Rule's offense. Yeah. Well, it, it is kind of mitigated. They played on a Thursday night. You know, they didn't get home till early Friday morning. That would have been a wash for them. They're not going to do anything on that Friday. And see you playing early on Saturday. Everybody was home by dinner time. It wasn't like a Pac-12 after dark type of thing where they're getting back to the champion center at four or five on Sunday morning. So players got that extra day. And, you know, of course, the Nebraska has to travel this week. So it's kind of my eyes, at least a little bit of a wash in terms of the the preparation stuff. Let me ask you guys, if you think about the game time might have some advantage for CU. I mean, the Nebraska played at night. Colorado played at 10 a.m. Mountain Time last Saturday. They've been starting practices at 7 a.m. all August. I don't know when Nebraska ran its practices, but. This team is used to being up first thing in the morning. And they're, well, now they're used to playing at 10 o'clock in the morning. Nebraska played a night game for its opener. It plays a night game for its home opener the following week. And 11 a.m. Central time starts, not something that necessarily we'd be planning for, gearing for this game. Either you think that that might be an advantage for CU to have an early kickoff, even though it might not have been our first choice to have a 10 a.m. kickoff might work to see his advantage to uh, get off to that fast start that we're looking for. There's no doubt about that. It's uh, it, it does slow down, perhaps slow down the amount of tailgating, but um, I think you get used to a certain rhythm and you get used to a certain time. And I think, you know, I don't think it'll be the determining factor, but I think CU will be very much ready when the kickoff happens. Yeah. First home game, first time running behind. Ralphie for almost everyone on the roster. Uh, hopefully they'll look out and see the student section all filled up and won't notice all the red in the stands. But hopefully all the Nebraska fans are selling all their tickets to CU fans on StubHub and there won't be as many red-colored sections as there was in 2019. Well, Brett, let's talk about statistics. Anything, uh, things that make you smile, things that make you cringe, anything about either CU statistics or Nebraska statistics that 
you know, stood out to you uh, leading up to the game on Saturday morning in Boulder? You know, that Jeff Sims was 11 and 19 for 114 yards against Minnesota. You know, this isn't Ohio State. This isn't Michigan. I mean, they only tried to throw the ball 20 times. I think Shadura threw the ball 20 times in the first quarter. Um, <laughs> they're, uh, they're just, they're not, Nebraska's not used to this kind of game. Uh, it takes it takes a certain kind of offense and it takes a certain kind of offensive coaching to understand you're in a track meet and coach it. And TCU had that and they knew they were in a track meet and they chose to run with us. Nebraska doesn't understand how that works. They're not going to see this again. And so it's not just that he was, you know, 11 of 19 for 114 yards. It's that they don't choose to, to get in that kind of game. And if we can make it that kind of game, they won't understand how to play it. Okay. Well, Neil, any, any numbers that you think stood out in the first week or any numbers that you think will help decide the game? Hated Huskers and your beloved buffs. Well, last week we talked about stats. And I think under that heading, I mentioned that CU needed about 450 yards of all. Well, <laughs> shows my analytical skills are not up to par. I think we're going to have to get that much and more this week playing a high scoring kind of game. I think it's to our advantage altitude. I think one thing that CU did last week that was very encouraging, lack of penalties that really impacted CU. Uh, there were maybe a couple that hurt, that stung a little bit, but mainly TCU had so many false starts and so many other penalties. CU was pretty clean. If they can improve on that, and I think, excuse me, the coaches probably can, CU probably needs to have only a couple of minor penalties. And if they can keep that low, that's going to be important. If they can run for at least 75 yards and be able to do it at the right time, that's all they're going to need, I think, assuming that CU's passing game is going to be intact and anywhere near what it was last week. Sanders? Shador, his passing statistics were sort of misrepresented by the actual numbers. There were no criticism of the receivers, a few drops that would have made a big, big, big difference in the game. If we can statistically and otherwise cut down on the number of drops, and I think those were just kind of passes that were a half a step too long or half a step short or whatever, I'm confident that CU can rack up plenty of passing yards. I'm looking for over 400 this week. If we do that, I think we're going to be in okay shape. Okay. Neil Langland, not happy with 80% completion rate of school record. <laughs> it was a school was record for... I just thought, oh, my God, if, he, if we'd have held on to those passes, Shadur would have had 600 yards passing. That's <laughs> well, what he's capable of doing. Yeah. Well, and Prime said if, if Travis had caught those that long touchdown pass, how did he put it? He'd already been uh, – the Heisman had already been cuddling in his crib. Cuddling his crib <laughs> at halftime of the first game of the season. <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of those yards, to be fair, you know, were yards after catch. I mean, there were there were a lot of the yeah. completions, you know, the 75-yard touchdown pass, the 46-yard touchdown pass were basically swing passes. So, yeah, I'm looking at 
And, you know, you reminded me, I was texting with Brad, I think I jinxed it. It was somewhere along the lines where I noted that CU didn't have a turnover or a penalty. And then, of course, we turned the ball over and started committing penalties. But, yes, it was certainly a for a team that wasn't supposed to be well-organized, a team that was supposed to have a bunch of disjointed parts that was just a combination of mismatched players, they played very, very well as a unit, mm-hmm. even better than the team that had seven returning starters on defense and, you know, played for the national championship the last time they took the field. So to me, I think the 150 yards rushing for Jeff Sims is going to be kind of my yardstick. If he's getting over 150 yards rushing, I don't care if it's scrambles or quarterback draws. If he's running all over the field, it's going to be a competitive game. If not, I think it's pretty much a done deal. So, Predictions. The line a week ago was <laughs> Nebraska eight and a half points. It is now CU by two and a half points and even higher in some places, but we'll go with two and a half points to show you how little the national media is just, you know, some of them finally coming on to the scene. I was listening to sports radio this morning. I'm not sure to blame, but they were talking about, wow, I was looking at $300 a ticket, you know, for Colorado, you know, how amazing it is that this is all happening at the last minute. It's like they were going for 400 bucks in April, dude. And they were talking about, well, the line's two and a half. You think it's going to move? And it's like, well, if you look back a little bit, it was 11 points different three days ago. But again, let's not criticize them for being late to the party. Let's just embrace the fact that they showed up. So, Neil, I'll let you go first. Prediction for the outcome. How's the score going to look and who's going to win the game? Well, back a couple weeks ago, I dropped a C note on the over at 3.5, as well as a plus eight at Nebraska. So I'm willing to to take bids on those tickets. (laughs) I think that CU probably is going to score 30 on offense. And if they can come up with a special teams or defensive score, that should be more than enough. I think Nebraska is probably going to score in the neighborhood of 14 to 17 points. CU covers. And I'm thinking that it's going to be a game where it's competitive for a half and something that it CU excelled at last Saturday, halftime adjustments, something that we haven't seen in Boulder forever and ever. (laughs) That is going to be another big difference in the game. I'm really impressed with the coaching staff and their ability to adapt on the fly. So if Nebraska is able to slow us down in the first half, I think we're going to pull away in the second because of our adjustments and our talent, as well as the altitude and the heat. So I'm looking for CU to win by at least 10. Okay. So I'm going to go with 17. Okay. Brad, what do you got? I, I do think Nebraska's defense is better than TCU's. Um, I think this is not going to be quite the track meet it was last week. But I just, it, I've watched both these teams. One of them is clearly better. I've already got my bets down on the over and the three. This feels to me like a, a 34 17, 34, yeah, 34, 17 CU. I think they get out early and, and stay pretty comfortable. 
Okay, well, we'll get to the pretty much similar spot, just different methodologies from the two of you. I had it down as 3421 Colorado. So, you know, the three of us are all pretty much on the same page. Not quite as much scoring, a little bit slower game or, you know, you know, fewer plays because Nebraska is going to try their best to keep it close by running the ball. And hopefully another fun afternoon of just enjoying the fact that the University of Colorado is uh, a player on the national stage. It is, uh, I can't tell you how many people I, I got texts and calls from that I haven't heard from in a while that, uh, even my kids who know a little about football and care even less were aware that Colorado had upset TCU. So it is a, a national phenomenon and we'll hope that uh, Colorado keeps it going in week two. So thank you, gentlemen. I look forward to being in Folsom Field and watching Coach Prime make his debut in the 100th season for Folsom Field. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, thanks, guys. See you Saturday. Oh, it's going to be a great day. Thank you both for listening to the podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation, the ever-expanding Buff Nation. I hope you're subscribing to the podcast so you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be part of their podcast network. As always, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See What the Game website. I'll be back next week with Neil and Brad, and we will give you our review preview, first talking about the Nebraska game, and then previewing the upcoming Saturday Night Lights battle against Colorado State. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs. Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to seeyouatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.